awesome, isn't it? Very good. All right. Good morning, Door of Hope. First service back, live audience, online audience, face masks, hand sanitizer, social distancing. My parents are here. Uh, no pressure at all today, so uh, we'll see how this goes. Hopefully it'll be a bit of fun. Uh, but first, I want to add my happy Father's Day to all the fathers and father figures out there. Hopefully you got some bacon and eggs this morning, maybe. Uh, maybe a good coffee, whatever you had. Uh, hopefully you got your annual supply of socks and jocks. Um, I don't know if this will come on the camera. Got some uh, dad bod socks this morning from Adelaide. Thank you, Adelaide. Uh, they'll keep me going for the next year or so. Um, but whatever you're doing today, whatever you've done, fathers, I just pray that you have a fantastic day, that you know the huge role you have in people's lives and that you take that role seriously and do your best. Uh, now, for those who I haven't met before, I better introduce myself a bit again. So I'm Phil Van Ryan. I'm an elder here at Door of Hope. I'm a school teacher. I am a husband. And most importantly today, I'm a father. Father of four, two children over here and two children in heaven. Rightio. I've been asked today to preach uh, in our Ephesians series, as Steve said, part four, on the topic of oneness at home. And last time I preached, I got some feedback that said, Phil, you did a pretty good job, but man, you move a lot. So I'm going to try to stay in this sort of zone today. It's a wide crowd, so it's not easy. I'll try and uh, keep you all involved, but they said just stand still a bit more. Uh, so I'm going to do my best. The poor camera guys haven't done this for a while, so I'll take it easy on them. Uh, I'm a big fan of heckling at church. I don't think we do enough heckling. So if you find me doing a bit of the wander thing, feel free to yell out, Phil, stand still. If you're watching online, maybe type it in the chat. Won't make any difference, but just do it so you feel involved. <laughs> Rightio, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, open your Bible with me, maybe your app. It'll be on the screen otherwise to Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. This is our verses for today. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I'm going to break this passage down into two chapters or two sections today. There'll be instructions for children and then instructions for fathers. But when you hear fathers today, think parents. So let's start with the children. Can I hear a bit of a shout out for any children in the audience today? All right, this one's for you. You get the first three verses. Parents only get one. All right, verse one to three, children. It says again, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, basically, this is a direct quote straight from the Ten Commandments back in Deuteronomy and also in Exodus. We see it twice. Uh, and the Deuteronomy version of this uh, commandment says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that, it may, so that you may live long and it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So there's only a slight difference in that you may have noticed. It changes from the land your Lord God is giving you to a long life or live long on earth. They had to make the change, obviously, Paul did when he wrote this, because they'd inherited the promised land about a thousand years earlier, and so he just made that slight shift. 
All right, but let's have a little look at these Ten Commandments, because that's where the origin of our verse today is from. Uh, so I'm going to break them down a little bit. There are uh, Ten Commandments. The first four basically address our relationship with God, and then the next six address our relationship with other people. Uh, the first four, again, tell us how we are to love and honour and respect our God. And then the next six go on to how we interact with others a bit more. So we've got two distinct sets there. So I'm going to jump forward about 1,500 years now from Moses getting these commandments to Jesus talking about some commandments. And it helps us to get that distinction. So in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus was being tested by a few of the wiser people around, and one of them asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And he, he said this to them. This was his response, Matthew 22. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, strength, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. It's a very familiar passage for lots of us. So with all the rules, laws, commandments, guidelines that the Jews had to live by, and there was a lot of commandments and laws and rules and things they had to live by, Jesus broke it down into two simple rules. And I'm going to paraphrase them even simpler. Love God, more simply, sorry. Love God, love others. And we talk about that at our school a lot when we're teaching our kids. Love God, love others. Two simple rules. So our passage today is commandment number five from these ten commandments. Honour your mother and father. It made the top ten, so God takes honouring your parents pretty seriously, kids. We've had five commandments, and I'm going to need a bit of hand from the kids now. So the first four we had, we haven't even read them actually, it says, Honour, uh, sorry, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have idols, don't misuse God's name, honour the Sabbath, and then we have this honour your mother and father. But kids, I'm missing five. I don't know how well you know your commandments, but feel free to yell out, not too loudly, or unless you've got your mask on, and try not to spit when you do it. But can I have any more of the commandments? We've got five. Are there any five others? Anyone know? Romo? Don't lie. Don't lie. Okay, kids, no lying. Anything else? Parents, you may have to jump in. Do not murder. Do not murder. That's a pretty important one. I'm happy with that. Murder, lying. I've got the list here if we need it. Stealing, love it. Envy or covet, fantastic. And the last one's adultery. Parents, I'll leave that one for you to deal with. But yes, well done. So God puts this top 10 list, all these things that he tells his people traveling, you're going to need these 10 rules to live by. And honoring your mother and father make the top 10. He takes it very, very seriously. It's up there with not murdering and not lying and not stealing. Honor your mother and father, kids. But what does honoring your mother and father actually mean? It's pretty important because it's in the Bible at least six times. So God keeps bringing it in. What does it really mean, though? So the contextual definition of the Old Testament Hebrew word honor is and I may murder the pronunciation, but kobad, and some of the scholars out there might uh, correct it, but it means heavy or weighty, heavy or weighty. To honour someone then is to give weight to or grant authority over your life for that person. In the context of today's passage, it means to prize highly, to care for, 
to show respect for and to obey, and we'll keep coming back to those. So uh, there's a great famous singer in Australia called John Farnham, you may have heard of him, and he has a famous anthem called You're the Voice, and actually I'm not going to sing it because my singing is disgraceful. We've got some people in here who love a bit of fun. Royce? Royce, would you have to give me a hand with this one? I've got a microphone. Here's one I prepared earlier. Uh, he had a song about parenting, and Royce, are you able to sing just one line for me? Can you get where I'm going? All right. Give him a clap. Oh, I picked the right man for the job. So as he said, every single one of us is a child. We are children of somebody. It doesn't matter our age, our relationship with our parents, our location, our history. Our parents deserve honour. How that looks may vary depending on your relationship with your parents. They may be together, they may no longer be together. They may have been great parents, they may have had some challenges. They may be here with us on earth, they may be no longer with us. But they, know, they still deserve honour. And they deserve those key words from that Kobud definition. They deserve us to give weight to them, to respect them, to prize highly, to care for them, and to obey them. So that's how we honour our parents. And that's the, me the message for all children, young and old, no matter your age. And it's worth noting here that we're talking today, or I'm talking about a healthy child-parent, loving, caring relationship. And as Andrew spoke about last week, not every relationship goes like that, and we acknowledge that. So if you're in a relationship where there isn't those things, perhaps something like abuse, then we encourage you at Door of Hope to get yourself safe, to seek help from those who can help you, but keep yourself safe. But in a healthy parent-child relationship, be them young children or adult children, when we honour our parents with those things that we've talked about, when we give weight to them, when we respect them, when we prize them highly, when we care for them, and when we obey them, then we start to build oneness at home. That's it, kids. You can keep listening, though. The second part of our text today, verse 4, just one verse, is directed to the parents. And it says, Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, on today of all days, this is not the verse I want to be reading because I love exasperating my children. It really is quite a bit of fun, as parents would know. What better example is where we just saw some of those things on the screen, but dads, every child, sorry, every dad has the right to answer. When your child comes and says, I'm bored, you simply must reply with, High board, standard answer. Maybe this one's for the mums. Your child's going to come to you at some point and say, oh, I'm hungry. And they just want a snack or junk food or they've got nothing else to do. And your standard answer, parents, is have an apple. Congratulations. It exasperates them because that's not what they want. <laughs> for me, my favourites with my young kids, tickle fights that go way too far. 
Get the rubbly beard on the neck. Oh, they love that one. On the chin with a, sorry, on the tummy with a raspberry. Get some exasperated. My parents were very good at it. Before we were allowed to open our Christmas presents, they would make us tidy our bedroom spotlessly. You've never seen cleaner bedrooms. But it was exasperating for us children. I asked some of my friends, how do you like to exasperate your children? And here's a couple of the responses they gave me. This is a standard dinner one, when your kids are sort of pushing the Brussels sprouts to the side, or maybe the peas, whatever they're not interested in. Maybe you've done some experimental dish that didn't quite work, and they're not eating it, and you must say to them as parents, you better eat that, because there are children dying in India who would love to have that meal. They don't really appreciate it, but you still say it. Those trampoline owners out there, the double bounce. I love a good double bounce. That moment when you've just timed it perfectly and you just watch your child with a sheer look of terror on their face, <laughs> sailing off into the stratosphere. <laughs> love it every time, Roman. You know him well, don't you, mate? All right, this one was a great one from one of my friends. When her children don't pack up properly their toys, she grabs a box and she picks up all the toys that they haven't picked up the first time and she hides it when they're not looking, and she says, I sent it to Africa, to the children who appreciate their toys. <laughs> this is not mine, these are theirs. Uh, there's a certain mother in the audience who shall rename, remain nameless, Claire, um, who one Easter saved all the little bits of foil from the Easter eggs, and then overnight wrapped grapes in the foil, <laughs> and then on Easter morning presented the children with these, and they opened them up to sheer horror, and she said, yes, the Easter Bunny's on a health kick this year. He's gone vegan. <laughs> they were not pleased. So where are you, Adelaide? All right. Uh, they're just a few. My friends are very, very cruel people. <laughs> but it's actually a lot of fun. This verse is not talking about small-scale parental teasing, though, is it? We're talking exasperation here. So dictionary.com, I looked it up, uses this definition, exasperate, to irritate, or provoke to a high degree, to annoy extremely. Now, parents of teenagers, to annoy extremely is extremely easy, they tell me. Asking your teenager how their day was can be extremely annoying. Asking them to clean their room or do the dishes, please, extremely annoying, apparently. Saying no to the all-night party with a bunch of strangers at the age of 16 can be extremely annoying. Kissing them goodbye outside of school is extremely annoying, apparently. Greeting their new boyfriend at the front door with a shotgun <laughs> is apparently extremely annoying these days. Don't condone that one. All right. But as parents, we're to lead by example. We're not supposed to ignore our children extremely. And perhaps it's a fine line we walk too closely on occasion. But Paul says very clearly, do not exasperate your children. So we've just spoken to the kids about how they're to honour, respect, give us authority maybe. But verse 4 tips that back in the other direction. It's saying that we need to hold that power, that craving maybe for authority and respect in service of our children and not use it against them, not use it to exasperate them, not use it to fulfil our desire for authority or our own entertainment. If we use Jesus' example of leadership and the elders at Door of Hope have been looking into this a lot lately, 
he did it perfectly. He had power, he had authority, he had respect, he had honor, and then he used that to serve others. He got down and fed 5,000 people because they were hungry. He healed complete strangers for no real benefit of his own apart from they needed help. He got down on their level and he taught them about God's kingdom, where they were at. He even washed people's feet. He didn't demand unreasonable things from people. He didn't lord his lordship over them. He didn't zap them when they stepped out of line. And he didn't belittle or patronize them. And for that, that that leadership, we give him honor. We give weight to him. We give him respect. We prize highly. We care for him and we obey him. This verse, however, did not say, don't discipline your children. In Proverbs 13, 24, we read, whoever spares the rod hates their children. It's pretty strong language. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now, I'm not condoning corporal punishment here. The rod is not an appropriate disciplinary tool these days. But it's pretty clear. It says, if you love your children, parents, then you need to be prepared to discipline them. Discipline is actually a form of loving service for your children. Your children won't say it, but it's a gift to them. It's an essential part of parenting and growing up. Discipline. In his book, Effective Parenting in a Defective World, pastor and author Chip Ingram says this, if you were to ask a hundred parents their motives and methods for discipline, you would get a hundred different answers. But luckily, God gives us some guidelines and he sets them out in Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. Now, I'm not going to read all that now, but I encourage you to have a little read sometime, Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. Uh, But Chip draws out five characteristics of godly discipline. Number one is the necessity of discipline to deter destruction. This is about guiding your children down the right paths before they make huge mistakes, number one. Number two is the means of discipline. It's about action and words. You provide your children with warnings, and when they don't heed those warnings, there's a consequence that follows. Number three is the motive of discipline. And the motive of discipline is to express love. This goes back to that Proverbs verse. Okay? If you love your children, sometimes you're going to have to be the bad guy because it's for their benefit in the long run if you love them. The goal of discipline is to teach obedience. It's not about being obedient because you have to. It's being obedient because it's the right thing to do. And then number five is the result of discipline. Short-term pain, long-term gain. And Hebrews 4 verse 11 sums it up. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's a great list that Chip's put together, and I encourage you again to read Hebrews 12 sometime today. As a school teacher, though, I know the the importance of appropriate discipline, both in my classroom and at home, and I see the results of both sides. I see parents who do it really well, and the results that follow, and I see parents who need support, and the results that follow. 
So parents, I encourage you to work it out. All right, I think we've all been here as parents, the public meltdown. I was in a fruit and vegetable shop in Launceston the other day, and conveniently, they sell a lot of fruit and vegetables, but right by the counter, they have a huge supply of chocolate. And it was quite a queue this day, so it was taking a little while, and I saw this little boy, maybe, maybe three or four, grab a big bar of block, dairy milk block, and he held it up to his parents, you know, chocolate. They said no. He held it up again, chocolate. They said no. He held up again, chocolate. They said no. So he just stood there, held it up, and just started screaming, chocolate, 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 the top of his lungs. He didn't stop until eventually his parents said, okay. Gave him the chocolate. He walked off happy as Larry, calmed down instantly. And I made a little comment to the uh, guy when I got to the counter. I said, well, you know, got what you want. He said, I see it every day. They always get what they want. I wonder what message that child learnt that day. I was speaking to one of my colleagues uh, at work the other day and he was telling me about his child a, a few years ago now who had a massive meltdown down at the seaport. They uh, had been out in a family bike ride and their son decided he wanted an ice cream and was told, no, we're not getting an ice cream. So he lost it. He went into full-blown tantrum mode. His wife and his other daughter, went, they ran for it and left him alone with his son screaming on the floor. And the only thing he could do in the end was to pick up his bike with one arm and his son under the other arm and just walk through the seaport. His son at this point started screaming, help, he's kidnapping me, he's got me, help. You can imagine what the looks my poor friend got, but he didn't give in. The, the simple solution to solve the problem would have been buy the ice cream. But what, if, what would have his son learnt that day? Children actually thrive with boundaries. They prefer it. It keeps them safe. They'll push them. They'll stretch them. That's their nature. Sometimes they'll break them, but they want those boundaries. They, they'll form a, they make a form of protection for them. And when they broke those, break those boundaries, though, a logical consequence has to follow. I'm not going to give you a list today of how to discipline your children. I've worked with kids for a long time now as a teacher and as a parent, but I don't have it right. I'm not perfect. I make lots of mistakes as a father and a teacher. And each child is different. So as a family, you need to work out how to best discipline your child. What works for one child won't work for another necessarily. So that's your job to find that out. But I will tell you this. To do nothing, to not set any boundaries for your children, to not have consequences when those boundaries are broken, is doing them a huge disservice and probably a failure as a role, your role as a parent. But our passage today wasn't talking about right and wrong discipline only. The final part of verse 4 said, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Paul is saying here that we need to bypass our craving for respect and authority and, uh, so, and give all honour to God instead. Our children are first and foremost gods. They're a gift to us, and ultimately we're a gift to God as well. We're his children as well. We have the benefit of wisdom, maturity, and experience, and God wants us to give that to our children as well. 
Parents, it's a massive responsibility to bring up a child in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're to do our best to raise them to to be the kind of people God calls them to be, to begin to develop their own personal relationship with our Lord and Saviour. Now, at Door of Hope, as Steve mentioned, we have a mission and a vision. And it says to be Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community. Or if I paraphrase that even more, our mission and vision is to love God, love others, same as those Ten Commandments. Now, as a teacher, I set success criteria for each of my lessons. These are the things that at the end of the lesson, I want my children to know or feel or do. That's how I measure whether my lesson was a success. And as a parent, if you had to measure your success, I reckon those two commandments that we've broken it down to would be pretty good success criteria. Two things. Do my children love God? And do my children love others? That's the training and instruction of the Lord. Door of Hope, let me finish by uh, wishing all those fathers once again a very happy Father's Day. I pray that as families, parents and children, that we can work together to build that oneness at home through honour, through care, through respect, through obedience, but most importantly, through love. Have a great day, guys. Let's pray, though, first. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for families, for fathers, for children, for mothers, Lord. We thank you that your word gives us instructions on how we are to do our jobs well. And we just pray, Lord, that you bless us in helping to build that family relationship or building that honour and that respect with our families, Lord. Give us strength, give us guidance, send us your spirit, Lord, to help us through that. Amen.